Hey guys, welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. This will be a Tuesday, February 7th episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have, um, you know, coming off of a really long weekend here, I was sick over the weekend, uh, dealing with some sickness around the house, didn't get anything posted Sunday or Monday, which is certainly not normal, but getting back into more of a routine schedule here, hoping to jump back into the everyday life, maybe not on Sundays as we do the off season, but for the most part, six of seven days is always the goal, but we'll try to hit seven days as often as we can. A little update over at the OBR, we we started a really cool uh, daily, we've been doing daily mocks. If you have not followed along, I've been doing those for a while, but we also are going to be doing a free agency mock from Jack Duffin's doing a great job writing up some plans, different ways the Browns can attack free agency. I take his plan and then draft off of what he has for the free agency period. So that's a pretty cool tandem article you can read. I mean, always the goal is to just lay out as many possible scenarios that the Browns can go down and is a part of your daily reading. I think it's a really fun exercise to get familiar with the roster, who could be available in free agency that makes sense, and then obviously uh, the draft that you could do according to what the free agency decisions are. And like tomorrow, for example, we have an outlook of what it would be like if they traded a third-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins so you can go in and see what sort of maneuvering the draft would take to make that worth it, You know, uh, what kind of picks they would get, do they trade back, right? What's the cap look like? It's all kind of covered there for you. And then... Uh, coming up soon as well, we will start doing as free agency approaches around March 15th. I know it opens a little bit silently before that around the end of the combine, but we'll start doing an OBR probability scale. So we're going to take a look at the film. We're going to take a look at the data of the player, you know, the hidden data of a player, EPA, different things of that nature. And then we're going to take lastly, um, a look at what the salary cap says and give you a probability scale of what the Browns likelihood is of signing some of these players that are out there. So we hope to put a score behind what we think the Browns will or won't do. So those are all things that are either out coming out every day or coming soon for uh, you to keep an eye on over at the OBR website. We're bringing in Jared Mueller. You guys know Jared who does uh, fantastic work dogs by nature and always happy to have Jared on as often as we can. Jared, what's up, man? How was your weekend? You know, it was all right. I got some stuff done because it was warm up in here and I was excited to do it. So uh, that was really uh, nice and I love hearing about all the stuff you guys got going on over there. Uh, even, you know, just kind of keeping the daily mock thing going in honor of our friend and uh, all that he, he did for you. Uh, but just love the idea of free agency and then the mock, like having two people kind of work through that process. Cause it's funny to the off season, just so funny in the NFL, we can't spend that much time on free agency. We can spend some, but like the predictive stuff and the scouting reports and all that stuff, like the draft gets so much more attention, deservedly so and understandably so, but it's in the wrong order, right? Free agency, then the draft. So sounds like you guys, and it looks like you guys have a lot of really good things going on uh, with all that. We just try to stay busy with our time, right? You know, we can find some things to do and we, we try to write about every scenario, <laughs> every scenario we could think of uh, over there. So, you know, we try to stay occupied, but listen, um, I want to I want to hit on some of these things that happened over the week. Really, the last two days and even today is, you know, Miles Garrett at the Pro Bowl, which again is is become sort of this this goofy. I don't know if it's goofy. Maybe the change. Some people like the changes. Guys seem to participate and play relatively hard in the flag football structure thing. There, I don't know, but whatever the Pro Bowl has turned into, the Pro Bowl games or whatever they are, you get Miles Garrett as seemingly the only injury to come out of the whole thing, which is like roll your you know, roll your eyes and say, of course, that part of it sucks, right? So he gets a dislocated toe, which I think when I saw Jared, I thought it was 
Uh, it looked, <laughs> you start to fear the worst. It looked much worse the way he was walking. I was like, is that an Achilles, man? You got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was definitely one of because, and then in our Dogs by Nature, in our uh, DMs, we're just talking about all the different things that happened to the, you know, whether it was LaCharles Bentley, Corey Fuller, Kellen Winslow, mm-hmm. like it just felt like, oh, are you really kidding me? Like, we're going to have to deal with that from a, the first flag football game. And yeah, it was, <laughs> it was definitely a relief. You're like, all right, dislocated toe, whatever. Hopefully that's not, that doesn't seem meaningful, uh, especially for such a freak athlete like Miles, as long as he does, as long as he's patient, right? We know that, you know, kind of foundation up, your feet are so important that you don't, um, you know, overstress other parts of your body because you have this toe issue or whatever. So hopefully he's able to take enough rest and do what he's got to do to get that fixed and doesn't compensate and have a compensatory issue uh, somewhere else. Cause we know that that can happen pretty regularly. Besides that, we can breathe a sigh of relief. It was fun to watch. Uh, maybe not the flag football as much as some of the dodgeball stuff. Um, you know, Joe Batonio, uh, the NFL network or ESPN described him as jolly as he was uh, fielding punts uh, with two <laughs> balls already in his hand, all that kind of stuff. So there was some fun to it. Um, but be- besides that, you're just like, you know, it's so easy to look back at uh, Robert Edwards from the Patriots who tore all the L's right. ACL, PCL, MCL in sand football back in the day. So you just, you hate to see any of that happen. Thankfully it doesn't seem like anything major and he just needs to take care of himself this off season. Yeah, it's the best outcome for what we saw because you get this this grainy video of him sort of limping away, and you're like, oh, God, you start to fear the worst. So glad to hear it's not anything serious. And and like you said, some of the Browns seem to put on a pretty good show out there, and that's really all you can ask of them. The other news that came out today is really two pieces of defensive coordinator news. The I had thought back when Joe Woods got fired, I thought he'd catch on somewhere right away. Like I thought he'd be a D defensive backs coach or something. I didn't know if maybe he'd take a year off or – you know, what might come of that. If there was a contract angle, he would take a year off, collect his contract, recharge. Some coaches do that when they've been around a while. And Woods has certainly been around a while, but he ends up getting offered the defensive coordinator job with the saints. And while that is, uh, you know, uh, jarring to most Browns fans who just watched him get fired. I think the reasoning behind it was pretty obvious from the start. And I know you, you picked up on it and I, I ironically put out a tweet about what I thought and then saw that one of the New Orleans writers <laughs> same thing or something pretty similar, but like I'd kind of compared it to he's the OC to like Van Pelt, the DC yep. to Van Pelt's OC, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it feels a lot like the good old boys network. Dennis Allen knows him. He can hire him. He can bring him in from their days in the, with the Raiders. You know, he's defensive coordinator. A decade ago by, now, which is kind of crazy. Great. Dude, I don't want to feel that old. Thanks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, feel it every day. Um, but yeah, you know, he's defensive coordinator in name alone. It's almost the opposite of Jared Mayo or Gerard Mayo. I forget if I pronounce his name incorrectly, who doesn't have the defensive coordinator role or title in New England, but he's calling plays. Well, this will be kind of yeah. the flip of that. Woods is a DC, but he's not going to be calling plays. He's not going to be running his system. Uh, really, he just knows Dennis Allen's system and can kind of teach it uh, down, which I think overall he has been successful in that kind of position and that kind of role. Uh, so that should work out for him. Too bad there's no compensatory pick or something like that the Browns could get for that. <laughs> We're always <laughs> looking for compensatory picks, right? Absolutely, um, maybe another third or fourth rounder, please. Yeah. Well, Woods is um, 
you know, like I said, I think he's got a track record as being a quality coach. There's not enough of them in that good old boys network you talk about. I, I don't think every guy we talk about how every guy isn't meant to be a head coach, right? I think that's one phrase that I think is very true, right? That, that not every coach is meant to be a head coach. He's meant to be a coordinator. I also think not every coordinator is meant to be a coordinator. I think every like a position coach can just be a really good position coach. And that might be the fate of what Woods is. He he had a chance to lead a unit here and how it shook out. It was clear that the guys didn't respond to how he went about it. And, yep. um, you know, people are, you know, New Orleans could go out and, you know, light the world on fire, just be fused to make Browns fans upset and, and, and uh, trigger blame somewhere else. But Woods is really just there and he's got a title. It's like, you know, if you ask most people who cover the NFL who the Browns offensive coordinator is, many people won't be able to tell you because it's just Kevin Stefanski's offense, right? It's a similar thing going on down there with Dennis Allen's, his scheme, his play calls. There might be some things where Woods gets to have some say. He'll he'll allow him to have, just like AVP has, say, in practice scripts and the way they go about in-game. What should we do here? Give me advice. Like That stuff will be played out, but like this is not him taking a, a, a role as a true defensive coordinator. There's no... There's no uh, eagerness behind this hire. So I think it was just Dennis wanted to find somebody. Those two coached together when Dennis was the coach of the Raiders, 12 to 14. And he just wanted to find somebody, A, who could come in and quickly do all of the different things to help his system flourish with his you know, guys around him, fill that role, trusted person. And it worked out, right? They didn't even, I didn't even hear of New Orleans interviewing anyone else. Like I didn't hear of anybody. Yeah. And I didn't hear of Woods interviewing with anybody else. So, like, that's that's all you really need to know. Did I miss? Did Woods interview with somebody else that I missed? Not that I'm aware of. So you, you almost wonder a little bit if it was – there was some predetermination there. The Saints defensive backs coach, and I just apologize. I don't know his name off the top of my head. His uh, contract expired. So now you have Woods coming in as D.C., uh, probably can step into some of that, uh, you know, defensive backs role, which he's done a lot of. Um you know, and so it almost you almost wonder if Woods are like, yeah, let's go ahead and move it on too. Like if both of them were both sides are like, yeah, this is kind of reached the end point. And, you know, his buddy Dennis was like, hey, I'll bring you on down, all that stuff. They didn't interview anybody else that I know of. And obviously Woods, uh, I don't think anybody was that interested in him. Yeah, I know that their their D.C. of last year, whose name is escapes me right now. I think his last name is Nielsen. He, he ended up leaving. Um, for the opportunity to call plays. So yeah, it just kind of works for Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. It works for him to slide woods to just kind of backpedal his way into that job. It's fine. He'll probably do pretty well for them in that role because I think that's again, a role he's pretty good at. The other piece of defensive coordinator news that came out today is Brian Flores goes to Minnesota. Um, So it seems he's out of the Arizona job, obviously now that would tell us that Um, one plus one there. He He actually pulled his name. Yeah, I think I wonder if it's just he's frustrated with right. how it's going and they didn't get it. But anyway, like Lou Amaruno um, is is the guy I would love for Arizona to hire because it gets him the heck out of Cincinnati, um, still in the running. And then I think Mike Kafka, um, the the Giants' offensive coordinator, and that one makes me feel. I remember watching Mike Kafka at Pitt and kind of liking him. Um, but anyway, uh, th- those are the two guys in the running there. It feels like the Colts are still interviewing fifteen different guys. Who knows what on earth is going on with the Colts? But I think the thing that's interesting to me is the, the the way this has played out where, you know, all of these guys are seeing that the Browns have interviewed, right, are, are getting either the jobs or at, le- at least it seems like they're getting some sort of job, right? Um, you know, if you go Flores to Minnesota, if you go, and they didn't get a chance to interview Evero, but he goes to Carolina. 
You're talking about some others that have moved. Who else am I missing here? So uh, Mayo, you know, he Mayo. got that that Patriots head coach in waiting, basically. Mm-hmm. Sean Desai looks like he's the Denver front runner now that Evero is gone, Flores is gone. Um, I forget who else they might have been looking at. Um, and then uh, Denard Wilson, if uh, if Philly's DC Gannon gets either the Colts or the Cardinals job, I believe he's interviewed for the Colts job, but not the Cardinals job off the top of my head. Then Wilson will be most likely be the next defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. So all five of the guys that they kind of had on their list are you know right up there going into uh, getting into those DC positions or beyond. So uh, it's really just impressive the list that they chose the question really is did they move too fast to make sure they got one of their guys um or would or they or could they have been left out in the dark you know yeah i think that's a fair question one that we won't really know i mean i guess you had to you had to like shorts to hire him period so i'm not trying to i don't think you and i are trying to create a controversial statement there but like it seems like all of these guys landed i i guess the exercise that will be interesting here and is like in three years to see which which guy panned out, right? You know, Flores run in Minnesota. You get all these other hires and all these other places. Mayo continues to stay in New England, whatever, whatever. Um, Desai uh, out in out in I think Denver is that what you said? He's he's in yeah. out there. Yeah, it'd just be sort of interesting to see who ends up doing best, right? If the Browns got it right or wrong, and you can't. It's not, it's, you know, it's not exact formula here, but. We'll just see who's the most successful. Yeah. I don't know that they went. To, I never felt like they rushed it, but I think you can start to feel a little panicky about if we don't get a guy, what if he takes a job somewhere else? Or like, I think Flores, the thing about the Flores and if it really was Flores and, and Schwartz down to the wire, I mean, it seemed like Schwartz, Schwartz, I just kind of both of their name into <laughs> Put one. Put them together. It seems like Flores was at that moment when the Browns were hiring Schwartz, at least I would have thought from the outside having one eye way more on the head coaching opportunity in Arizona. Right. So yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if Flores was their preferred guy and they felt like he wasn't all in because he was looking around, but I feel like Schwartz still makes a lot of sense from every angle. You really look at who the Browns have in house and how they run their, their stuff on defense anyway. Right. Yeah. And Flores hadn't even interviewed yet for Arizona. So we knew he was, they had asked, but by the time the Browns hired Schwartz, he hadn't even had his first interview yet. And what we're seeing in Arizona and Indianapolis is just two teams that are taking their good old freaking time making that decision. If we thought that was because they were hiring somebody from Kansas City or Philadelphia, that would make sense. But it looks like um, it's going to possibly, like you said, Lou Amarello uh, and uh, Mike Kafka look like the two front runners in Arizona. Indianapolis, it still seems like it's Jeff Saturday or bust and they're and bust and Jeff Saturday go together pretty well. So, yeah, I think just from a timing perspective, the Browns, you know, maybe it was 50 50. Maybe they were leaning to Flores. But at that point, you know, he's going to interview for a, at least one head coaching job, possibly multiple defensive coordinator jobs. And for the Browns, they just needed someone they can move forward with. I think when we look at this, I think it's, we won't do it because it's a, we, you and I might, but it won't be done. But the nuance is, you know, when you look at the talents on the defense, 
You know, I think Evero's got a long way to go in Carolina, but has some talented players. Minnesota obviously has some guys, but they're getting a little bit older. Whoever gets the Denver job, if it's Desire or, or whoever, is going to walk into the best defense of all of the ones that are going to make some switches. It's going to be so like though they just lost Bradley Chubb. They're about to lose Draymond Jones. Probably. I don't know if that's as great a job as it was. That's that's true. It could not be as good, but I think it'll be. I think it'll be up there still. I think there still is enough talent there that you mm-hmm. may just be looking at Desai and Schwartz um, given everything because Minnesota's defense was really bad last year. Oh, really uh, and so I just don't know how much you can do, especially if you're going from, you know, kind of a more Fangio style system to Flores. Uh, that switch is pretty big, which we had talked about in Cleveland. Uh, I still don't know if they have enough talent there to get it done. So I think it'll just be interesting to evaluate. We'll probably do it after one year, probably not more, much more than that. Mayo will probably be a head coach. Uh, or Flores might be a head coach. Like there's a lot of movement that'll happen in a year or two, but at least after one year, we'll evaluate all the new DCs to kind of say, where did Schwartz kind of line up? Yeah, that's, that's what I was. The reason I say that about Denver is because I was looking at, some of their cornerback depth about a Jerry Judy trade. And I was like, man, they're trotting out K1 Williams. They're trotting out Ronald Darby. Those guys are like, those guys aren't young anymore, man <laughs> on that. So I was just like, I'm not so certain if they lose Draymond and they lose Deshaun. Like they got some pieces that, that uh, could potentially be going. They just have, they, it seems like to me, at least they just have a history of stellar defense and it seems to always uh, rear its head, whoever they get. But yeah, the, the DC job there is not as simplistic as I think it was, but still probably a pretty good job. It's just tough to play in Denver, man, with that altitude and stuff. So yep. they traditionally have done fairly well there. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll check in a couple of years. We'll see who handled it the best, but this, at least we know the Browns are in on seemingly all names that mattered, right? Other than the, and you talked about the Eagles situation stepping in for Gannon, like they weren't really looking at many coordinators who were position coaches, really, in my opinion, they were looking at guys who, who had either done it or um, were at the prime of, of getting into it, right? So, like, I don't know. I think it speaks well to what people were afraid of, which is they were the, the Browns were putting out a lame duck head coach and nobody would be interested in the job, at least to me, from looking back on it. You, li- you like the quality of candidate, at least. Yeah, and, and all of – except for Mayo, who who literally pulled out of the Carolina Panthers head coaching yeah, interview yeah. – Right. Besides him, they all interviewed. Right. So it's really a good sign that of how the team is looked at around the league. There were a lot of opportunities, a lot of openings coming and they were they interviewed. Right. And now there are many of them are in positions or going to be in positions that are pretty high. So, yeah, it's just a really good sign uh, for how the team is viewed across the league that all of these guys are pretty impressive. Yeah. And. and probably continues to put to bed the narrative that Kevin Stefanski's on the hot seat. People say that. And I just continue to say like, what evidence do we have of that? We don't have, we don't have any evidence of that. Now I, I think they need to just win, shut up and go win games next year as much as anybody, but like, Hey man, what's your evidence? Cause the league, clearly the coaches that are looking for these jobs don't feel that way. You know, Schwartz wouldn't be looking to get back into a DC job that he thought was going to be just one year. Like that's not, it's not how it goes. So I don't know. We'll see. We're going to take a break, take our one break. And then we have free agency is going to be a prolonged portion of our next month. We're going to hit on it in various different ways. There are two pretty key questions as we start to look into free agency that I think are worth our time here as a primer. So we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, Jared, two questions and we're out the door, but they're two pretty good ones to me. So when you're looking at free agency, you're heading into it, we get through the Super Bowl, and then we can really start looking at this thing at a more granular level, but I think you got to ask yourself before you start looking at prospects, what positions do you need to see attacked in free agency? I don't want to limit it to one side of the football, you know, one and one, but like to me, I have some answers, but I'm curious if you do as well, because you can't go into this looking for everything because they don't have the money for that. They don't have the long-term type of play for that but i think there's some immediate stuff they can attack so what positions do you think they really really have to hit on ahead of the draft so the the easy answer is defensive tackle but it's not the right answer for me Uh, i i would love them to find a defensive tackle that could come in and play but generally speaking much like offensive line unless there's some rare occurrence happening with a 50-year option not being picked up like jack conklin Normally, when it's talking about a good defensive lineman, defensive tackle, or defensive end, they are not hitting free agency until they're 34 years old or 33 years old, whatever it is, till they're past their prime. So I would love it if there was a decent defensive tackle that they could pick up from a team that needs to cut cost or, you know, kind of like the Conklin thing. It just generally doesn't happen. There is not a defensive tackle that is good that generally becomes available. So I just not. I'm just not sure there. So for me, it's looking at the safety class. I think the Cleveland, the Browns can get a really good safety, hopefully a pure free safety. That's something that I value that they just really haven't had. Hopefully they can get a pure free safety because there are just, I think the, the board is, I'm not going to say it's oversaturated, but there's just a lot of safeties that are going to hit the market. So I think that makes a lot of sense for the Browns is to, to attack that, get a free safety that can pair with Grant Delpit. I think that changes the defense when you have someone you can trust as a single high and cover one, um, or, you know, when you're getting creative with some cover zero every once in a while uh, can really match up with somebody. That's really where I would focus my energy given this free agency class 
And given what normally is true about the defensive tackle or defensive end room, that's really where I see them spending kind of whatever money they might spend. And then everything else, I think really for me, the other would be finding that true number two tight end. Um, Again, I think that's an area where top flight tight ends are paid a ton and then everybody else kind of gets the scraps. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, um, if someone gets cut, uh, the Chargers tight end name is going Everett um, is rumored to possibly be cut because they need to save space. He would might be a nice veteran tight end. Those are kind of the two areas that I would look at, even though defensive tackle and defensive end probably are their biggest needs overall. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I agree with, um, you know, I think if you go through the rookie classes at defensive tackle and edge and you look at them and pick them apart, if they're a guy not selected in the top 20, they're really not very impactful on a regular basis. Like mm-hmm. they're not, uh, they, they don't grade out very well and they don't make a huge statistical impact on the game. Now there are exceptions to that rule, obviously, but if you go into a draft thinking we need to take a D tackle or an edge here and you're at pick 42, you're probably not getting somebody that can come in and help you right away. They can play a minor role, but they're not going to help you right away. So to me, I'm with you on, on like, I would like some offensive angles to be pursued. Uh, I would not have an issue with going and getting another sort of tie to me though. They have to come out of it with two positions, as you have already stated. Defensive tackle, they have to get some guys to lift the the, the basement, right? Because yep. the basement is so low right now. So we're going to talk about this other question in a second. But like to me, they need they need guys who are NFL quality players at D tackle because what they trot out there, Jordan Elliott, Taven Bryan, Tommy Togiai, and Perion, while there are redeemable parts of those guys. I think they have to make some decisions on some of them. There are redeemable parts, but they need better players there. And that's a position that I think you can fill in free agency and and can like go into the next year feeling like you can get something out of it. Whereas if I go draft a Maisie Smith or I go draft a, a Tui Tui Peloto or somebody like from that range, like Javon Dexter is another guy in that range among many guys. Like, I don't know if those guys are going to hit the ground. There's such a learning curve and you're not relying on an experienced veteran behind him who can step in and lead. They need those types. So like defensive tackle over defensive end to me, I think you can, you can find a way to get a D end. I'm not like, if I had to pick one of the two, they've got to figure out defensive tackle. They just do. And I'm with you on safety. I think if you're going to let John go, and I would let John go because you're not asking him to do what he's best at. If your plan isn't moving John closer to the ball, then your plan needs to be getting rid of him. So if you're going to get rid of him, then they need to go out and sign somebody who can play play split and can play post and safety. What I mean by that is two high and one high (laughs) and be good at, like be effective playing in the deeper portions of the field. And I mean, like John can do those things, but that's not what he's best at. And I don't think anybody wants to continue to pigeonhole somebody into something they're not best at. And I think that's unfair to John. I think that's unfair to the Browns. And I think it's unfair to the contract. They're going to have to continue paying him. They keep him. So to you, uh, to what you said and what I'm saying, D tackle and safety are the two positions. I feel like they have to, they have to go get somebody. And there are options in both angles there, right? There are options. We're not really going to dig into the names, but there are options there. So I hope they do that. Could Yeah, like I said, could they go out a cheap receiver? Could they go out a tight end? 
you know, there's plenty of things I would like them to do, uh, you know, but money isn't growing on trees right now. It's getting tighter and tighter every year. So they got to make some choices to get to a level of respectability. They have got to improve those, those two positions, in my opinion. And you can make a really sound argument for nickel corner. You really could, because I still don't think they have one. I just don't think they do. I don't think Greg wants to play there anymore. And I also don't think that's the best use of his skill set. And there's an over cluttering at corner that we will try to, try to dig into at a later date. But, but yeah, that to me is of uh, particular interest in, in those positions. I will ask this as we close Jared, like sometimes people can think they need a big name. And I think two big names in those two positions we're talking about are like Jesse Bates and um, uh, what is the kid's name out of Alabama? Who's Deron Payne. Like they, mm-hmm. those are the two names that pop. Do you think they need big names? And that, I think it's an okay thing to want. Like, hey, the Browns go, they get out and signed a star, man. They went out and got these, this guy or that guy. Do they need big names or do you think they need a quantity thing here where they say, because I think it's, you could, you could get into both sides of this fairly reasonably where you can say, hey, they need to go sign Jesse Bates because he's an attitude changer in the secondary. Or could they go sign like a, uh, Geno Stone or a Juan Thornhill or, or some others that are out there on the cheaper end and then go sign more bodies on the D-line, a couple D-tackles and maybe a, a worthwhile veteran edge type. Like, I'm just curious if you think they need to go sign a big name to bolster up feelings uh, or if it's a quantity thing that they need here in this approach. You know, I think Andrew Barry has taken a quantity approach to the NFL draft for the last three years. Uh, and by that, I mean a lot of young guys, a lot of upside. Some of those have to be your depth pieces. So for me, unless they get a good deal, like I think Juan Thornhill is actually much better than the assumed contract many people are thinking he's going to get. Again, I think that's the safety market kind of being saturated a little bit. But for me, it's 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 got to be quality. The Browns are a very good team that should have made the playoffs last year. And I, I simply say the Jets game, And the Chargers game and the Falcons game, all three should have been wins. Easy, simple things, all of that. There's other ones, the Saints game. Add that one in there and you're at 11 wins, right? So the Browns are close. They They need game changers. If I would be honest, I think the Browns, if the Browns add a stud defensive tackle, a decent defensive tackle, and a free safety, and either a tight end or a wide receiver, so four players, I think the Browns are decently close to elite next year. I think it's that simple to be honest with you because the rest of the players then fall in line, the Perion Winfrey's, you know, the Grant Delpits, David Bell's, you know, even possibly Anthony Schwartz with his speed, they all fall in line. I think if you add kind of those four guys and thankfully they can do more than that, but if they add a, a pain and a Thornhill, right? If those two are possible given the projections and then Whatever else in the draft, then that's where you go for, you know, the tight end or the other defensive tackle, whatever. I do think that's a significantly changed team. Maybe I am pie in the sky about the rest of the roster. I I can disagree. I I I think they need more, but I think we can sometimes mistake more for fixing things that that they don't fix, and that's something I worry about a little bit. Where you look at like guys in limited roles and you're like, well, this guy played really well for this team, but he only played 250 snaps. (laughs) Then he's trying to come over here and play 650 and it's a disaster. So there's some of that. I, I do think there is a, 
there's like a tier one and a tier two. And like, I would like a Draymond Jones or I would like a Dayron Payne. I'd have, I would have no issue with that. Do I think you can get some similar types? Probably, but it's not guaranteed. And I do think you want to, I do think you want to hype this upcoming seat. You really want to not only hype it, but you want to get good players and you are going to have to pay for one or two of them. So, I mean, I'm interested in that angle to you. I don't know. I just don't love paying Jesse Bates 19 million or 15 million. The number's pretty freaking high. And I, I like him. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do think you can get safety play that is similar, marginally similar for a cheaper price, um, depending on the role. So I, I like you, Lean. I would pay heavier defensive tackle as opposed to a safety. But they need to add. Uh, they need to somehow mesh both worlds here. I really <laughs> would like them to go get a defensive tackle that really matters and then supplement it with another one, a cheaper edge and another safety. Uh, because I, then I think you really do go into the draft with a plan of like, we can have this great world of sitting at the, the 42nd pick where a value wide receiver D tackle or edge lands in our lap. We can take any of them, right? I think that's what you want. What you don't want is to go in to the draft and have one of those three be a huge lean for you because that's a dangerous operation in my opinion. So um, yeah, anything on those two, Jared, you want to add as we sort of start peeking our eye forward to free agency now? Yeah. The only other thing I did a, a couple pieces on SB nation about how the final four teams were built and a vast majority of them, not surprisingly are coming out of the draft. There are very few, you know, there's, 10, 8, 13 free agents or trades. And and many of those were kind of smaller, right? So even though the number is 10, 13 or whatever, um, you know, the number of those that were big free agents or big trades is actually much smaller, at least for the final four this year. So I just think it's hard because yes, the Browns have these needs, but that's generally not how you win in the NFL by signing players from other teams that they didn't sign. Right. So that it's always a big worry. Like you talked about Cincinnati Bates makes sense. They got to pay their wide receivers. They got to pay Joe Burrow. So if you can figure out why that player is, is gone and it makes sense. Cool. But otherwise you just have to be so cautious about why is a team like Washington and it could be because of the rest of their defensive line, but why are they letting Deron Payne go? All of those questions are going to be really important as you look at each individual player. At least to me, it will it will be fascinating to track how they you know, separate why a guy's on the market, why they need him, how much they can spend on him. Free agency is just such an interesting look into the 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 nitty gritty of your team, and and I think you're right. Like it's scary to think that they you look at these other teams who are building through the draft doing a great job, but the Browns had to make a panic move at quarterback, and it set them into having to figure this out another way. And the Bengals are a good example a few years back of they they hit it. Free agency, the Hendrickson signing, and uh, Cheetah Bay Wuzier, they hit that year, right? The Jags are yep. a great example last year of hitting on free agency and really going, um, you know, flipping it around from, I think, last place to first place. So, like, there, this can be done, but it has to be done, especially with the Browns situation where they are, they're really up against it in the coming years. They've got to hit free agency this year. So um, those are the two big questions. I'm curious if anybody has – some other opinions on that always open to interpretation of what other people think, but, but I'm not sure how you can look at what's going on up front and, and think that they're, they're satisfied there. I don't think, I think we could have a longer discussion about wide receiver 
if there were better wide receivers on the free agent market. It's either trade or draft. Like that's just the only thing. And we're not really delving too deep into trades today. So it's not like you're talking about, well, they got to get better on offense. Well, the free agency ain't the method this year, man. It's really not. Nope. I mean, you could maybe talk somebody into Mike Jacecki and like thinking about how his role could be impactful as like a 12 personnel tight end extra guy receiver hybrid. But again, that's a dicey area. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that and can cover it another day, but um, yeah, let's, that's, that's pretty much the basics of what we're looking at, why we're looking at it with free agency. Jared, I appreciate your time, man. Absolutely brother. As always enjoy it and uh, hope you and the family feel better soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need the Lysol disinfectant uh, running <laughs> around here like crazy. So listen for Jared, for me, thanks for being here guys. Appreciate you. Have a great Tuesday. Stop by the OBR, stop by dogs by nature. Appreciate you uh, supporting the Browns continuing to do so. And through them, supporting our two websites. Thanks again, everybody. Have a good day. Go Browns.